Hi, this is Garrett Wong. I played Ensign Kim on Star Trek Voyager, and you're listening to Neil Before Pod. Neil Before Blog presents Neil Before Pod. Hello, and welcome to another tolerant episode of Neil Before Pod, the podcast that has all the relevant paperwork to prove we're a citizen of Earth. Honest. I'm your host Craig, and since Supergirl recently completed a fourth season, I thought it might be worth talking about. Representing the pro-human side of the debate, we have Chris. Hello. And the pro-alien side of the debate, we have Andrew. Uh, if you just give me a minute, give me a minute I'll, I'll be able to hide my, hide my spine so, so, so it doesn't, doesn't offend you as much. And I'm going to sit on the fence on this one because I think that everybody has good points. I, I don't know. This is this is some kind of weird talk show. Um, <laughs> anyway, welcome to this weird talk show. Thank you. So, so before we get crucified for for any kind of implied hate speech, we're gonna well, we're gonna start liking and hating stuff. Chris, as the pro-human side of the debate, <laughs> why don't you start us off with a kneel before? Uh, I am going to kneel before the little teaser trailer we've had for Terminator Dark Fate. I know that the Terminator franchise is riddled with bad movies, and I know that trailers have lied to us in the past. However, I'm always kind of up for a Terminator film. It can be a bit of a guilty pleasure on some of them, uh, and this looks like it might be a bit of fun, so... Yeah, it just looks like Salvation, but with Sarah Connor in it. It does a bit. It does a bit, and I, I don't know. I, I think it could be fun. I will probably be proven wrong. I'm not going to knock it from the first trailer. I'm going to give it time before I start knocking it. Sort of a bit like we did with Aladdin, but just not start with the trailer. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, I don't like the look of this at all. So you've just taken my rise against no, yeah. oh, have, I? Have, no, I, no. have I knelt before your rise against no I mean I would rise <laughs> against it later anyway. no it's um, it was a contender uh, but yeah I don't like it I don't know I think I just don't like Terminator anymore I've seen one I, and two and, and the Sarah Connor Chronicles and that's it I, like I said I have been burnt with these before and uh, this could burn me again, but yeah, I, I think there looks like there's some quite good actiony stuff. They're doing a couple of different bits of effects. I, if I was to rise against it a bit, I could easily switch around and say that there doesn't seem to be anything new in it. But I don't know how new they could do with, and then it wouldn't really be a Terminator film. You know what I mean? I, yeah. Thoughts on Dark Fate, Andrew? Um, kind of ambivalent. Like most people, I'm kind of a bit indifferent to Terminator now because because it's it's just like, just like a thing that keeps happening rather than something to look forward to. Though I think when the description of anything um like, ends with the words "but with Sarah Connor," that 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 does approve it at, at least fifty percent. <laughs> and also, I do really like Mackenzie Davis, and quite looking forward to see. Is she the what, Sam Worthington esque character that that she appears to be? Yes, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. 
you know, the Terminator that thinks it's a human, just like in Salvation. Well, my theory on the matter is is that she's actually a human who has been augmented with bits of Terminators. Just like in Salvation. You know what, I can't even remember Salvation well enough to have an argument point. Yeah, okay. That's uh, probably wise. It can't be worse than Genesis, surely. I mean, can it? Yeah, well, it, it doesn't have Jai Courtney in it, so oh, hopefully not. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Uh, yeah, okay. There's another Terminator film coming out, and... Yay, we've got another Terminator film coming up. Can we, got, <laughs> can we not get season three of the Sarah Connor Chronicles instead? It'd be cheaper, and more people would probably watch it. And also, now that Game of Thrones is finished, uh, uh, Lane Heddy's schedule is now free. Yeah. Pres- presumably. So what's Summer Glow doing these days? Chuck her in. That guy that played John Connor probably hasn't worked since. Oh. Thomas yeah. Decker? Yeah, that guy. Has he worked since? You'll know. I don't recall offhand seeing him in anything. Oh, there we go. Even Andrew hasn't seen him since. That's how that's how obscure he is. Because you you watch everything, of course. I like the career barometer. <laughs> yeah, that's it. If Andrew hasn't seen you in a while, we we, we start with Chris. If Chris has seen you, then you're doing pretty well. Then Craig, <laughs> you're kind of in the middle of your career. You're either on your way up or you're on your way out. Andrew's seen you. You're on your way out, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Your career either hasn't started or it's over already. Yeah, uh, it's, uh... <laughs> yeah. there we go. That's it. that's going to be the that's going to be the yardstick of by which we measure the success of actors. <coughs> Works for me. Yeah. Okay. So, what are you kneeling before, Andrew? All right. So uh, th- uh, this one is is a little bit dated, um, but, but it's, it's still, still a fun thing I want to mention. And this is Shira and the Princesses of Power. So this was an animated Netflix series. Which is a remake of, of the 80s She-Ra series. Ex- except this one is just so much more more fun. In, in Yes, okay, it's a thing which is basically a- aimed at prepubescent girls. But everything about it is done so well, then it's something that really anyone, anyone can enjoy. Um, a, a big a big ensemble cast of really interesting characters. The, the storylines are they're, they're simple, they're simple enough for kids to follow, but... But yeah, but they aren't so simple that they're they're actually boring, boring to watch. And one particular thing that makes it makes it stand out is that everyone and everything in it is so incredibly gay. There's like unicorns and rainbows and glitter and sparkles, and it is magnificent. I'm not sure I like where this is going. Is this about <laughs> to be a staunch defence of uh, My Little Pony? No, I'm not going to go that far. <laughs> um, Good. What is the collective noun for Shira fans? The the way that the that each character is uh, is is portrayed in it, I don't think that there's there's a single one who who is coded like uh, as in, as in, entirely heterosexual. Like the, 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 the like there's there's a degree of fluidity to to everybody. Some a, a, a little a little more overtly than others. For, for most characters, there, there isn't anything anything ever said directly; just allusions to it by, by some characters being being really, really close friends, yes, or being a lot of jealousy when when they get ditched for ditched for, for somebody else. But, yes, but I think I think the the way that it's portrayed is what I would I would imagine it it, it feels like if, like if, if you're if, like for, for a young person kind of realizing that they aren't they aren't quite straight and is still figuring themselves out, then I I would I would think that. The attitude of the characters, like, would would echo 
the, the feelings of the feelings of these kids and would help them uh, better realize what's going on with, with themselves and understand that there's nothing wrong with them. And I think that's that's, that's quite an, quite an important message in in kids TV. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, I haven't really seen this. I can't remember if anybody has knelt before it before. I feel like Angus might have, but I'm not sure. Or maybe that was just the universe he wanted to live in during the hundredth podcast. Uh, yeah, oh, he oh, that was a superhero he wanted to be while accepting the backstory or something like that. Yeah, I think that was it. I don't know. I'm allowing it anyway. It's already happened, so I can't not allow it. So, uh, yeah, is He-Man in it, or is he mentioned? No, there's not even any, any allusion to, to He-Man at all. All right, okay. Until um, Netflix do that show, I guess. Probably. Yeah. yeah yes, and, and and if they do, I hope it will be considerably, considerably less homoerotic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, it's amazing how it's. You can only go down from what it was before. <laughs> <laughs> cool. I, I don't know if I'll ever watch this. Maybe I will one of these days. You know, when I when I catch this mythical illness that I don't feel too bad, but I have to be off work for two years. Yeah, uh, and and have time to watch TV. So, Chris, do you know anything about this or? I, I don't really know much about this, um, and it's a back reference that will probably need to be edited out, but I now know why all those adverts keep coming up in uh, Andrew's browsing uh, <laughs> browsing tabs. Uh, it's, a, it's, a jo- it's a joke that it doesn't work on this podcast whatsoever. <laughs> but you know, you've, since you're listening to the Supergirl podcast, you're listening to the Legends of Tomorrow one, so you'll know exactly what we're talking about. And like and like the episodes of CW crossovers, you'll, you'll, you'll need to know what order to listen to, to them beforehand. Well, a number of the podcasts now, that should be easy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. See, I'm smart. We're counting up to 200, which, I don't know, award show or game show, you decide. <laughs> Musical. <laughs> Musical, oh, that'll, that'll happen. I thought it was going to happen during the, the Legends with a Bollywood number, but it did not. Yeah, mostly well, because I yes, well, we dance. clearly need to make more effort. Yeah, maybe the eye zombie one. There's a dancing number in one of those episodes. Anyway, my nail before, unsurprisingly, is the teaser for Star Trek Picard. Uh, I talked about the clip, the leaked clip that was released in a prior podcast that hasn't been published by the time I record this, but we got a teaser uh, on the 25th anniversary of the airing of all good things which was the next generation finale how amazing is that like i mean it's as if they knew yeah (laughs) of course you know that (laughs) i mean it was yeah it was on twitter all day and then the picard teaser came out there's not much to it you get to see the vineyard where the wine chateau picard um the the grapes are grown that go into chateau picard then you see some bottles of Chateau Picard, and then you see Captain Picard looking, or not Captain Picard, actually. You see Jean-Luc Picard looking, well, about as old as he does, as Patrick Stewart does now. <laughs> so, uh, and there's all this talk about how he's left Starfleet, he's, um, something happened to him that that caused him to lose his way, and he's left Starfleet, and he's all, I don't know what, I don't know what to expect, but I think we're going to get a kind of deep psychological look in a different way of an iconic character and I could not be more excited so much so that the, the next two hours of this podcast are just us talking about that Picard teaser we already spent four hours talking about the, the two second clip that was released but this was at least a minute so days <laughs> days my friends, days no, I'm not going to talk about it for days but I'm excited, has anyone else seen this? <laughs> 
I did I did see it, yeah. Well, well just, to, uh, just as a teaser, there's not really that much to to say about it. But, but yet so much. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, what was it? Uh, uh, that nice acknowledgement that like this is a real thing, which is actually happening, and is and and will happen, and you'll get to see. And really, just more of seeing Picard on TV is a good thing. Doesn't matter what he's doing. Yeah, like just just the very fact that it's Picard will make it worth watching. I love how they called it Star Trek Picard. I mean, they had all this time to think of a title, <laughs> and it's just like what would they call it? And it's like you know, you can imagine it being the meeting. It's like something like Love Day, but not so lame. It's like we're just going to go Picard. Yep, that's lunch. I have the feeling that they had that written down because like, it leaked a while ago and they said, oh, it's going to be called Picard. And everyone went, no, that's just like a production name. And I do kind of feel it's one of those things that they had down on a bit of paper and they went, yeah, we're going to come up with a proper title later, but at the moment <laughs> we're just calling it this. Okay, and then we're going to come up with a really super name that's going to make a lot of sense and it's not going to be spoilery, so people aren't going to be able to guess what it's about before we do the show, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in the meantime, uh, let's work on all the story and everything else. And then they got closer and closer, and they went, right, we really need to start releasing publicity stuff now, so so what are we going to call it? Uh, what name have we got on the boards? Uh, the ideas board, guys. Uh, oh, we've still got the one we had right at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But the marketing guys, they can make the A in his name look like the Starfleet Delta Shield insignia. Oh my god, <laughs> like, that's it. Boom, that's genius. <laughs> I don't care what it's called, it's still going to be great. Because it's Jean-Luc Picard and we're getting him back and I never thought I'd be able to say that. It's just going to thought... be Jean-Luc on a wine-tasting tour of the outer solar system. Yeah, and I'd watch it. Yeah, and I'd I would. Watch every I would to- I'd totally be there. <laughs> you should see episode three, he's drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, whether we'll get any cameos from Next Generation cast members, we don't know. We know that Jonathan Frakes is directing a couple of them. Because, you know, Jonathan's got to pay the bills uh, and finds excuses for not turning up to conventions, as he does. Uh, so, yeah, pumped for this. Can't wait. More Picard. More Star Trek. More, 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 more. Brilliant. So, before we talk about this all night, let's move on to Rise Against. So, Chris... Go for it. What are you rising against? What am I rising against? I am rising against... Where is it? Hang on. Uh, I am going to rise against a a film which is, at the moment, being called Titan Boa, about a ginormous snake. Uh, It is uh, looking to the Meg for inspiration, because what we need are giant animal monsters because those films are always really, really good. Who's fighting it? Who's fighting it? <laughs> it's it's been worked on at the moment, so I don't know if it has if if it's got to be sort of Vin I Diesel, don't know Vin Diesel, Vin Diesel, Jason Statham. It's no, it's going to be something like that. You know, Statham's done the Meg. He can't he can't do this. He'll be typecast as a guy that fights giant monsters. I know. Maybe they'll just put a you could put a moustache or something on him so that we don't recognise him. You know, it's a totally different character fighting a massive boa constrictor. I'm gonna I'm gonna say Vin Diesel. Yeah, could be Terry Crews. Let's go for Terry Crews. Terry Crews. Uh, giant tarantula. Yeah. I I mean I I have the feeling that that is probably like next on the list. Um, you know, if they're doing so giant snake, they've done giant shark. So yeah, giant uh, spider to scare everyone. Sure, why not? That was that film was already been done. It was called Arachnophobia. 
Oh, there you go. Yeah. Giant yeah, rabbit. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, but what I was thinking it was it could actually have, have like giant tarantula actually fighting a giant boa, like like they do in oh. like in like you know in all those um, all those wonderfully magnificently terrible sci-fi channel movies. Um, oh, and, and, a shared uh, universe now. Yeah, 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 I think things like Sharktopus versus Crocosaurus. Yeah, uh, so we could have like Titan Boa v massive no, like, arachnidon I liked Aztec Rex where they just found a T-Rex inside an Aztec temple that was fun uh, what else was there uh, Mega Snake that has what's his name he was in Stargate Michael Shanks uh, he plays a guy mm. who's really really drunk probably because he was just really drunk while making the film and they, they just had to leave it in because he wasn't going to be any other way um, Titan Boa I don't know much about it I know it's a thing that exists it depends what muscly guy they're going to have fighting him as far as I'm concerned <laughs> And, you know, the the Rock always does these things. Let's leave them out of it. So Vin Diesel, Terry Crews, Sylvester Stallone. Maybe Arnie. I don't know. He's not done a film like that in a while. Get Arnie in. Yeah, why not? Or just just put the, the pictures of the entire cast of The Expendables around a, around a roulette wheel, spin it, and see where it lands. Yeah, and then it just lands on Jason Statham. It's like, oh, not again! <laughs> Why does it always land on Jason Statham? It's like it's rigged. <laughs> Statham keeps himself in work by putting extra weight next to his picture so that it always lands on him. It's like, yes, another job! Well, they could uh, go, go the other way and have, have the hero be a woman and have her play, uh, play by uh, someone like Gina Carano. Yeah, yeah or, or now that Becky Lynch is becoming a superstar, then it could be like her debut. Yeah, but it's going to be like Ronda Rousey or someone like that, innit? Oh, she needs to just die in a fire. <laughs> wow. Okay. And representing the pro-alien debate is... <laughs> okay. Yeah, 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 well, just more, more, more these sort of anti-transphobic kind of yeah. side of things, really. That's fair. Uh, okay, Andrew, what are you rising against? I am rising against Brightburn. As in, as in like, the, the kind of evil Superman, Superman as the Omen... Horror movie, um, yes, but they're not specifically the film itself, but the fact that it's been released in in the states now, but we're not going to get it for another month, and I don't accept this because I want to see it now. <laughs> yeah, it's like two thousand and one again. We have to wait like months or a month. And I, I haven't. I don't know why this is. Can't, I've not. I've not seen any justification for it. Yeah, yeah, it's just they decided that this is when we're going to get it, and it. I just find it incredibly frustrating. And even though the reviews that are coming out for it are somewhat middling, um, I, I don't care. I still think it looks great fun, and I just, I just really, yeah, I just really want to see it, and I can't, even though many other people have. Yeah, it's annoying me too because I'm already seeing articles. It's spoiler in the Brightburn post-credit scene. Like, mm-hmm. what? Like, I didn't even know there was a post-credit scene, and now there's a spoiler in it. You know, someone turns up apparently. Who turns up? I don't know. Um, Superman, maybe. Yeah, especially especially with the the shortening now in sort of spoiler embargoes, even from like creators and stuff. Now they go, oh yeah, yeah. Well, it's been about two weeks. Everyone's had the chance to see it. Let me put up my pictures from set of this moment that happened. Yeah, and you're like, well, hang on, it's not been released worldwide yet, and we've not had a chance to see it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the same. I think it's one that's been knelt before a few times here, so we are really looking forward to it. At least and once, yeah. Yeah, and it just 
Yeah, it's a, always a, a bit annoying when it gets delayed. And I can't really see what it's running from either, because normally when these things are delayed by so long, it's because, oh, we don't want to hit the World Cup season, or we don't want to be out at the same time as this other movie. And I'm trying to work out which one is Godzilla? sitting in UK cinemas at the moment. Yeah, but that'll be out in the States as well, isn't it? Isn't that around about a synchronised release? Or are we getting Godzilla early and that one late? I, I don't know. Yeah. It doesn't seem like it's the kind of thing that, oh, I'm going to choose between one or the other. It, it seems like you could, you know, split it a bit. I don't even know if it would be the same audience that would go to it. The question is, is it going to leak online before it comes out here or not? <laughs> probably. I've not checked anywhere, but it probably already has. Yeah. 1080p copy, go for it. 4K copy, I don't know. Let's hope not. Uh, not that I would ever indulge in such a thing. Of course. Yeah. Okay. That's uh, rising against delayed releases with the example Brightburn. Good one. Fine. Uh, I'm going to rise against. This is connected to what we're talking about tonight. Mm. Uh, I'm going to rise against the Batwoman teaser. And I'm, I was just waiting for the collective gasp that didn't come there. I I held it in because I tried to be trying to be less dramatic and more serious. Yeah. Uh, mm. I actually don't think it looks that bad. Although I do have some significant issues with it. I know that it's getting absolutely pelted online. You know, it's um, people are criticising it for various reasons. I think that as a teaser, it doesn't really show you enough of like what to expect. So you get to see next to no like, Batwoman in the teaser, in effect. I mean, I suppose it's a nice contrast to the Supergirl teaser that was six minutes long and essentially summarised the entire episode, the entire first episode, so that when you watch it, you're like, oh yeah, that does show you absolutely everything. Literally everything. Whereas this doesn't quite show you everything. But some issues I have with it. So, the new Charmed show, that's also on the CW, uh, I have issues with it because it, it peddles a lot of man-hating feminism. And, I mean, I don't like I don't like any kind of ism that, that has to downplay another, uh, any group of people to make itself kind of relevant. So, in the case of Charmed, it's like, oh, men suck. Here's why. Oh, I'm just going to try and impress this guy that I've been trying to impress for the past three episodes. Uh, that's that's kind of the charmed formula. But in this, you have this. So you have this scene in the in the trailer where she discovers the Batman suit. So you get to see the the Arrowverse version of Batman's costume, which is something. And some guy tells her the suit is literal perfection, and she says it will be when it fits a woman, which is. What? I mean, what are you trying to do here? So let's reverse that line. Uh, oh, look, there's the Batwoman costume. It's like, huh, girls can't be superheroes. That's the reverse of that line, isn't it? And then there's another bit later on in the teaser where Batwoman is clearly becoming known amongst the people. And she says, I'm not going to I'm not gonna let a man take credit for a woman's work. And it's like, hold on a minute. You're dressing up in the same costume as Batman and employing his methods and you're annoyed that people think you're Batman. <laughs> I mean, what? <laughs> what are you trying to tell me here? What? I mean, I'm not like, I'm not pro like toxic masculinity. I'm not pro masculine stuff. You know, I love this. I love the show that we're talking about tonight. Um, and that somehow managed four seasons without ever saying men suck. So why isn't 
why isn't Batwoman starting off on that foot, at least in the trailer? I, I see, I see, where, I see where you're coming from and that perception of it. I don't, I don't think it was intended to be quite, uh, quite as anti anti man as as you've taken it. No, I'm sure it's not I intended think... that way, but the lines are clearly framed that way for the purposes of the trailer. They're supposed to like inflame people, I guess. You know, it's supposed to be like punchy and making a point. But I feel like in the episode itself, it won't be quite so, quite so you know overt, but. At the same time, it is still in there. Yeah, that's what I was, was going to go, go on to comment. And just like with like the the, the, whole, the whole thing about, about trailers, basically basically uh, be, be, uh, being truncated versions of of the of the first episodes. Yeah, and, and I do I do I do, like, I do really hate when when they do that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah cause, and yes, and just to to get in the the obligatory dig, uh, the, that's what that's what they did with the Flash. <laughs> I think the Flash one was better than the Supergirl one, though. It didn't give you quite as much. Oh, while watching the trailer, I. I kind of got the impression that, that it, it may have it may have started out like that, and someone decided that actually no, let's not do that. Let's not tell everyone the entire first episode before they've seen it, and and then they they edit, edited it down a bit more. It, it still seemed while watching it the the events that the trailer was depicting like were, were sequentially part of the same narrative. Yeah, and and I would think that uh, majority of the material shown in it, if not all of it, would would be taken from the pilot episode. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I'll, I'll watch the show because I watch all the shows in this universe. Um, but yeah, it's it's not getting off on the right foot. I think it's it's sending the wrong message so far. Um, I I mean, a a better version of the line would be, uh, you know, the suit is literal perfection, and she replies with, "Not yet," or "It will be when it fits me," because that makes it about her and about what she wants to do. Not about her gender. Or she could have even said like, literal confession. Yeah, yeah like, for, for for a man, it, it makes the same point. Yeah. Um, but it, but also acknowledges the fact that it's no good to her. Yeah. So, Chris, what do you think? Yeah, I kind of agree with, with what you're saying. Some trailers sort of give away too much of the season. Um, this one, I've only really watched it once. I've not properly dug into it. I I don't know. I've I've talked on podcasts already about this show, and I don't know how good or bad or different it's going to be. This doesn't really give me any hint. Um, yes, I will watch it probably out of stuff that we've talked about before where we end up watching these shows because we don't want to feel like we're missing something out or some in reference or some in bit uh, they've got us hooked and they just seem to be adding more bits to this universe um so yeah I, I don't know it's 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 not got me convinced uh i'll need to watch it to find out fair news okay so shall we move on to our featured topic let's yeah. swish so- Let's um, immediately kick into the spoiler zone, just so we don't have to worry about that. Um, Because we're just going to rocket through some stuff, as we did before with the others. Uh, Our tried and tested new formula seems to be working. Chris, I'm going to let you begin with Anil. Anil, uh, oh, I'll I'll go in for a. It's like a, a big game of countdown. This I'll take a nail, please. Chris. <laughs> I'll take a nail, please. Uh, one from the top and three from the bottom, please. Um, yeah, um, I'll I'll just go in for a big one right off, and so we can get it off the board. Um, I like the slow build of Lex Luthor's plan this season. 
Uh, I like that it wasn't really discovered until the later half. Um, I mean, I, don't get me wrong, I think his plan relies on a lot of luck and coincidence, and oh, that worked out well. Um, but, uh, yeah, I liked, I liked the reveal of Lex Luthor being the main villain this season. I, I think it's one of those ones that if you don't read too many of the articles going, such and such has been cast at so-and-so this season, then it acts as a nice surprise. Uh, I do feel that sometimes, like, in my hunt for Neil Befores and Rise Against, I get things spoiled for me. Because <laughs> there's some stuff, like, casting news or whatever, you're like, oh, couldn't you just have said that he was an untitled character called Brian? Um, but, yeah, I, I kind of like the, the reveal this season. Ah, then you get into the, he's not Blofeld. <laughs> he's not Khan. <laughs> yes, uh, I loved Lex. I actually think that John Cryer might be my favourite live-action Lex Luthor. Mm. Uh, he only appears three times, which is a good use of your Lex Luthor. You know, he's not there all the time. Uh, and then when he's not there, after he's introduced, his presence is felt. You know, everything he does, or everything that happens is in service of his plan in one way or another. And I really liked how they did that. My, I think my favourite episode of the season is the Lex-centric one that, that details everything that he's done to get to this point. Uh, and also details his relationship with Red Daughter and all that kind of stuff. Uh, hmm. Yeah, the fact that Ben Lockwood thought he was like rising to prominence, but he was just another pawn in Lex's scheme. It was just one of those things, you know, you, you would expect Lex Luthor to have a counter to everything that you can think of. And he does. Um, and it's probably one of those things that's like, hang on, in order for that to happen, this person has to walk across the street at that exact time. And then, you know, and it's like this, the intricacies of like, he must mm. be psychic in order to predict all this stuff happening. But it's just how good of a master manipulator he is. And I was kind of worried that because on the CW, you've got the tendency of everyone's so in touch with their feelings, you know, and, and they tried to do that. Well, I think they played on that nicely in Lexi's first episode where he was trying to be, um, where it seemed like he was trying to relate to Lena and trying to, like, you know, trying to make up for, like, a lack of affection or whatever. And it turned out that was part of his plan, too. Because mm-hmm. it was like, oh, I, don't, I don't really want a Lex in touch with his feelings sort of version. You know, we had that in Smallville to, to an extent. We don't need it again. And, yeah, he's just this amoral... I mean, he isn't, he isn't evil. He's just an amoral, self-interested genius who thinks he's above everyone else i liked his play off off lena and it was it was that thing where you're like don't heal him it's a trick it's blatantly going to be a trick don't fix this cure if he's there it's a plan it's a trick don't fall for it don't fall for it don't fall for it and she fell for it partly and then you're like oh damn it but it's the way um, he takes everything from her like it's like hi you thought eve was your friend newsflash she's my minion <laughs> That kind and, of stuff, you know. And and that plays all the way up to the final episode as well. It's like, oh, you think you know everything, you think you're on top of the world. Right, okay, let me just let me just shatter another illusion for you. Yeah. I've been saving this one up for some time, you know. Yeah. It, yeah, I I just yeah, master manipulator gets everyone into position. Uh, the reveal of his plan, like you say, that is like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm behind him, I'm behind that, I've been slowly stoking this in the background, I've been plotting this, I've run this company that's cropped up a couple of times before. Um, yeah, and also I kind of feel that they've earned them at this point, they've teased that, oh yeah, Lex is about, obviously. 
and that he's caused problems for Clark in the past and all this sort of stuff. But I was like, are they are they going to pull Lex Luthor out? Because they keep playing the, oh, Lena might be evil this season or she might be turning evil. And they've not done it, not done it, not done it. And then you finally get Lex Luthor and it's like you've, you've earned it at this point. Yeah, and um, if you ever get the chance, listen to former Lex Luthor, Michael Rosenbaum. He has a podcast called Inside of You. Uh, he calls it that so he can say to his guests, thank you for letting me be inside of you today. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's never not funny, let's be honest. <laughs> but uh, he has John Cryer on one episode and he does talk about the way they've kind of made his arc out over the course of three episodes. Because uh, he was only cast for three episodes for whatever reason. But that was perfect because otherwise you just have Lex Luthor turning up at the end of every episode. Just playing, ha ha ha, I was behind this all along. But like everybody knew he was behind everything. They were just trying to figure out how to stop him and how he was involved. And they just couldn't because he was, you know, he was operating on just another level to everybody else because he's just so genius level. I mean, let's face it, Kara, kind of dumb. She, there's no way she's out thinking Lex Luthor. There, I said it. <laughs> <laughs> but in comparison to Lex, she's quite the simpleton. I mean, in comparison to Lex, everyone's quite the simpleton. Well, I suppose you have this problem when you... So, obviously, they're writing these genius level, you know, this evil genius character, but the writers themselves, as far as we know, aren't evil geniuses. So you have to like come up with this genius level plan within the framework of their own show that works without actually knowing what a genius would actually do because they can't think on the level that their characters are thinking on. But it, there is a bit where it's like th- these characters become unstoppable because it's like, okay, he's been put in prison. So how, how at that point is he able to manipulate an entire world from from what is meant to be a prison cell? Oh, he's got a secret door and in there he can, he can, he can go to wherever he wants. You know, like, has no one noticed the secret door before or... The fact that there's this room attached to the cell that just doesn't seem to be there unplanned. It's so all that no sort cares, of stuff. I suppose, it, it's, yeah, no one cares, or whoever does care gets paid off or gets killed at some point, you know. Yeah. But it's like, how does all that get established in the first place? It's all, I always find those bits quite funny. It's like, oh, we had this secret network set up the whole time. And you're like, well, that can't have been there already. Or or did he plan that as well? You know, if I do go to prison, I'm going to be in this exact cell, um, possibly. You know, being mm-hmm. Lex, but yeah, I always find that quite quite funny. Yeah, Andrew, what do you think of Lex? Right. Whoa, here we go. Oh. Yeah, I'm kind of completely opposite of you two, actually. Um, yeah, no, I I really really did did not like him at all. Yeah, I thought it, it was it was going to to have. For the 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 revelation of like of like him him being being behind everything and and all of the events were like were were, were part part of, part of his his big master plan. Though I I just I I really hated the interpretation of him as a character. It's not specific to Supergirl or or, or this, but a particular type of character I I I really dislike is is like a character who in one way or another is smarter than everybody else, but. Also, also has this need to make sure that everybody else knows it, to explain over and, and over, far beneath them, everywhere everybody is intellectually, and they never match up, and they're fools for even thinking that they could. And I just find those kind of speeches just so tedious and so irritating. 
and and as and as soon as they as soon as they start, I just can't wait for them to be over. Also, what Chris was mentioning is about him uh, manipulating the world from, from, from a jail cell because I haven't a secret exit because why like because he's genius and because he's rich, uh, therefore he can do literally anything. And 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 and, and, and I think having that as a narrative fallback to justify a character's capabilities is. Is is really really lazy, because it means that you never need to actually explain it. You just, you just need to to point to point out that because because they're rich and because because they're genius and they, they, then they, they can plan for anything and they they can they can pay for anything. This this makes them virtually omnipotent and anything justified by that. I just I, f- I find really unsatisfying and just more more than a bit of a cop out. One of the aspect of him, of him that I did quite like was acknowledging how everything he does like, is blinded by his hatred of Superman. So, like his master plan here um, was to effectively create a sort of infinite renewable energy, but like a power of the entire world. Yes, and he uses this to create a giant space laser. <laughs> and it, it reminded me of quite a, a famous line from All Star Superman when Lex temporarily gains superpowers. And as a result of that, his intellect like, is, height, is heightened even more because he can like understand like the fundamentals fundamentals of the universe. That he he needs like his injections of this other thing but to maintain this, which Superman manages to get away from him. And he's like, "Scream, give it to me! Like, like, like if I if I have that, I can, I can save the world." Where Superman replies, that, "Like you could have saved the world years ago if it mattered to you." It's and it's the same kind of situation here where he's come up with a way like to effectively save the planet. And all he can think about, think to do do with it is to destroy. As a perfect, it's perfect, perfect encapsulation of his character. It wasn't wasn't dwelled too much upon, and we're just left with more of the stuff that annoyed me. Yes, I can see where you're coming from. Although all that stuff, it's like. It's your standard Lex Luthor setup, you know. It's this the, the infinite resources, the the infinite influence, all that kind of stuff. But it works for me because Lex in this show isn't really a character. He's kind of a catalyst for events, and um, he's just kind of. I mean, I thought John Cryer played him really well, but Lena is our character. It's all about her. It's all about how she deals with it. Um, so Lex is her problem essentially, whereas rather than being a character in his own right, and I think. They made that clear from the outset, and they did it really well. At least for me. My issue when you look back, it's, it's the same as like most villains. It's when you go, what what was the end game? Like if if their whole scenario was allowed to be played out in full, what was the actual plan? So okay, he's he's used the aliens for energy. He's blown up Argo. He's killed Supergirl. What what then? It was going well, to be a world of renewable energy because the aliens were going to keep travelling to Earth knowing that they're going to be used as batteries. Well, he puts himself in the White House, basically. So he, he essentially rules the world at this point, doesn't he? Because he faked that invasion, got seen as a hero, he's blowing up Argo. Yeah, he's got... Well, he rules, he rules, he rules America at that point. Which, therefore, the world, let's face it. So that's what the Kaznian invasion's all about, you know. It's to oh yeah, him. yeah. It's, it's yeah. to put it's to put him in like a good light, and oh, he's done a deed so good that all all past sins, which you can imagine amount to a lot, <laughs> all yeah. past sins are now completely underwritten. This this misunderstood character, and I think there was a throwaway thing about oh, someone stepped forward who says that they did it all along, and it was never him anyway, so he's pardoned. 
um, which are quite <laughs> quite like is like the throwaway. Oh yeah, that's that's how we get around this one just now. Thanks. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I I see where you're coming from, Andrew. I do I do think that it's not the most it's not the worst Lex Luthor plan that we've seen on screen, um, which I think makes it quite good considering the, some of the villains that we've had about. in the past. <laughs> considering considering some of the Lexes we've had in the past, considering some of the Arrowverse villains that we've had in the past with plans that are worse, I think Lex Luthor is not um, not too bad. The only bit that I'm kind of peeved about is the the ending of like having him half revived or transported or whatever the the monitor is now done with him well, at the end of this. Um, <laughs> oh right, okay, I'll, I will leave it at that yeah. point then. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> That's next season chat. This uh, potentially. So, okay, Andrew, I know you've just went and like savaged like Luther, <clears throat> so he's going to have you killed. I hope you know this. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a sacrifice I'm willing to make for speaking the truth. Or he'll turn you into like a metallo. Which would probably do you a favour, actually, if you come to think of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, if nothing else, it'd, it'd probably cure my back problems. <laughs> okay, so, Lex, if you're listening, Andrew's ready <laughs> for his kryptonite robot body. Uh, yeah. So, uh, even though you've yeah complained about Lex Luthor quite vigorously, uh, <laughs> give us a rise. I am rising against um, how underused uh, the the character of Red Daughter was. When she first appeared at the end of season three as uh, somebody who looks exactly like Kara but in some nebulously communist environment, then it was clear that at some point they were, they were going to be doing a variation on Red Sun, which, if you're unaware, was was, was kind of a, a what-if story where Superman was raised in Russia and instead fought for communist ideals. Instead of the whole truth, justice, and American way thing, and I think that there there, there was the the potential for her to be quite an interesting character because she is effectively a, a mirror of Kara, and we see how she her turns out when she's brought up and, and taught nothing but but hate and contempt rather than, than love and compassion. But but I think the potential for the contrast between them was really overlooked and skimmed over far too quickly. And all it ended in a big rush that, that didn't really have as, as much significance as I would have liked it to. Yeah, it, she comes into it kind of too late. I mean, they had that whole episode that was about her upbringing that connected her to Lex, which was really good. And I think that the little bits and pieces they did with her, because it's so easy to just have, oh yeah, it's just evil Kara. But it's, his, her perspective was really interesting. So how she saw the um, at the United States as like this land of decadence where a bunch of you know where people are just living in this luxury without caring about the rest of the world and and the fact that she sees Kara as embodying those ideals and that being wrong that's really interesting and it's a debate that they should have had and didn't because Kara questioning her entire moral framework could have been fascinating at the end of the season but they you know they didn't really do it she was just it's also the the things that make them the same so their sense of loyalty is the same you know the, the skewed way she sees the world is kind of along the same lines. I mean, it, it's skewed, of course, but it's along the same lines and um, and other stuff like that. So there was a lot more potential there. And I think Melissa Benoist did a fantastic job playing both roles. I totally agree with that. It, it, didn't, it didn't really feel like two versions of one character. Like, like They felt like two separate people. Are they going to do True Brit next season? That would be for, fun. For those that don't know, it's John Cleese, I think, wrote it. Am I right? 
I think so. Yeah. Uh, basically, what if Superman landed in Britain, but it's a comedy? Supergirl, true Brit, next season, come on. That's what I want. Uh, <laughs> and just uh, hearing what's up nice doing, doing an English accent. Yep. Here for it. Totally. Let's do it. Supergirl producers, we know you're listening. Do it. Even just for an episode. Just give us a meta-universe-hopping episode where Supergirl lives in Britain. Why not? On the the Red Daughter storyline, I, I kind of feel you're right. It wasn't used as fully as they could have. It was one of those things that they would do every, every few episodes or so, they would do a little flash of, oh, meanwhile, over here, uh, she's taking out a fighter jet. And... And then they would cut back. And I think the reason that they weren't able to do it fully was because they were keeping the Lex reveal and the story reveal sort of contained for later in the season. And they were like, oh, yeah, we've got to kind of tease that we're still doing this. Do you but think it meant. Plans changed at some point. I, I, I kind of have the feeling that they did, that they maybe had like this slow build story running through the whole thing. And instead of that happening, they ended up. <sighs> Yeah, they they ended up sort of doing. Oh, we're we're going to do it as like a flashback episode where we're just going to keep going back and forward to the uh, to our upbringing and how they managed to corrupt her and and twist because you kind of saw in that episode sort of things that you were like, I would have rather seen this like slow build through the whole thing, or even more from her perspective maybe, rather than seeing it from like the Lex perspective of him having to visit and plot and scheme. And then maybe for the reveal to be actually he's the reason these events happened that way. You know, the fact that they saw that, oh, actually she's got compassion and things there. Oh, we're going to need to make sure that she doesn't have any of that. Uh, you know, we're going to sacrifice the boy that she's been caring for all this time. Well, I liked the um, the fix to the Martha problem. You know, uh, when she first appears and Lex turns up to see her and mm. she's like, because the one word she learnt, knows how to say when she's when she's born is Alex, yeah. and then she sees Lex and he's like, "Why not?" <laughs> yes, and that's like yeah. the whole basis for him for him being trusted by her. And it's like, yeah, there's your Martha like line drop, but in a way that actually works. Yeah, yeah. I, I, do you know what? I, I kind of like that. It was like the the writers must have just sat there going, Alex. Lex. Ah, okay, we've got it. We've got it, everyone. We've sorted it. Um, yeah, it's. I, I, I kind of feel it could have been slowly built more. I think the reason that it probably wasn't in the end was maybe a decision that they were going to hold more back until yeah. the, the Lex reveal. I don't know. It could have been more, but maybe it would have destroyed the surprise bit with Lex and stuff. But I think seeing more from her perspective would have been better and you would have understood her more so yeah I, I agree with you Andrew she was underutilised yeah I mean I think the work that they did with her was really strong it's just there wasn't enough of it um, and also how does she have the power to turn it into night time yeah couldn't yeah, figure that out yeah but that, that really bugged me <laughs> <laughs> alright the whole world has been moved on a time zone I don't know like what has she just done here although I quite like the kind of the, the expansion of her powers and then you had the counter where Kara managed to heal herself by like extracting sunlight from the grass and stuff. I don't that peeve me off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as hokey as that is, but it's like my powers are way stronger than yours. It's like, well, actually, I've got this passive, peaceful power that's more that's stronger than yours. 
Yeah, well, I was just thinking, like, okay, that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever, but to hell with it, I'm going with it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I mean, the, the thing is, when you're watching these shows, you've got to suspend disbelief in the first place. And it's like, okay, I suppose I can take it a little bit further. Um, but, yeah. I mean, they've not done the memory erasing kiss yet. That'll happen. So <laughs> <laughs> what am I doing? I'm going to give myself a kneel. And I am going to kneel before kind of a small one. Uh, I'm going to kneel before Factory Settings Brainy. <laughs> okay, when, yeah. When he was restored to Factory Settings, I thought Jesse McGrath's performance was superb. It's that kind of more the more cold, stoic version of Brainy. Uh, I mean, I thought Jesse McGrath, Je- Jesse, no, it's Jesse Rath, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I thought his performance as Brainy throughout was was great. I think the the way he talks is hilarious. I mean, when he revealed himself to be whatever his hacker handle was. Uh, alien lover or whatever it was I can't remember uh, he had that really deep and meaningful conversation with Kara but he was still putting on his kind of stupid voice so it didn't really work but most of the time it, it works really well and uh, and seeing how different it was when he you know when they flipped it on off switch and turned him back to the beginning and then where he talked about oh I come from a long line of like horrible alien computer things and I don't want to go back to that and um just how he's a lot colder when it comes to the way he conducted himself after that point was really good. Uh, throw in a bit of props to Sam Whitworth for his performance as Brainy in that one scene. That <laughs> yes. Was, that was superb. Oh, I uh, loved it. He had the mannerisms down. I don't know if they got um, Jesse to act at first and then got him to copy or if they had just been working together for long enough that he was able just to throw into it. Usually but, in these like body switch scenes, they get the actor to do it first, yeah. as they would in character, and then they get the the copycat effectively to do it as well. But the fact it's like Sam Whitwer just nailed it, <laughs> completely nailed it, and he did. It was just such a funny scene. Uh, just even the way he was, when he was standing with a wide stance and everything, just the way Brainy does, brilliant. It's, it's things like that, but like that, that remind you that the acting is it, it, it's not it's not just about speaking lines. It's also like uh, about the way that the way that characters move, yeah, uh, and, and the way that they they, they hold themselves because it's, it's all it's all part of their personality. It's also a reminder that Sam Witwer is like the real deal when it comes to acting. I mean, I've never not been impressed by the guy. Uh, he is he's the definitive Darth Maul. That that is true. Yeah. And that one scene in Solo. Also, several episodes <laughs> of The Clone Wars and Rebels. <laughs> and that one scene. That one scene. That one Solo. scene. Like, yeah. What was that about? That uh, one scene that confused 50% of the audience. <laughs> 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 it's like, wait, what? Like, wasn't he cut in half and dropped to the no, bottom no, no. of the lift I think you'll find it confused 100% of the audience. <laughs> because 50% were like, he's dead. And the other 50% were like, yeah, he's dead. <laughs> well, the other 50% was, how does this lead up to rebels? <laughs> What's he doing there now? Yeah. 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 Uh. Uh, for further commentary on this, listen to the solo podcast that we did a while ago. So Brainy, yeah, factory settings Brainy, Brainy in general. I liked Brainy. Um, he's an acquired taste. I was kind of disappointed that he did the image inducer throughout the season, though. I preferred the kind of blue face stuff, but I see why they did it because it's a lot of makeup. Yeah, I, I, I sort of, I, I see exactly why they did it. It was, it would have been like a makeup and a comfort thing, and they're sitting there going, oh, "Do you know what we can, you know, we can write a bit of hand wavium around this and put image inducers and stuff in." Yeah. Um, but I think his performance was really good for. I liked the um, 
I like the default. I like the fact that they set up the whole of oh, when there's when there's something I don't like or something I don't want to process, I can, I can just put it in a box and little store it away boxes. at the back of my head. Yeah. Lots of little boxes and put it into a big box and it all goes to the back. I, I kind of like that they set that up as his coping mechanism. I can't remember what episode. It was a good few episodes before, though, that they sort of dropped that one in. So it kind of made sense when you then saw him. And uh, it was Lena that gave him that breaking advice. Breaking through. Mm. And then Nia was like, that's not healthy. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, Brainy. We like Brainy. Yeah. Uh, Sam Whitwer. We like Sam Whitwer. So, there we go. So, that is our first round of thingies done. Um, first round of thingies. I'm such a professional. Mm. R- r- rises. For, well, first round of thingies. Yeah, let's go with thingies. Yeah, let's go with thingies. It was, it was sandwiches in the other podcast, so thingies in this podcast makes sense. Yeah, it's a it's a, it's a trade up. Yes, uh, Chris, be negative. Be negative. Um, I am. <laughs> I am going to uh, rise against. Uh, power levels and power creep, which isn't just a problem in Supergirl, it's a problem throughout. Power creep sounds like a bad 80s supervillain. Power creep sounds like a rubbish villain. Uh, <laughs> in fact, power creep is probably appearing in the next season of The Flash. Um, <laughs> sorry, Flash, you're just there for kicking. Um, it's, at this podcast. <laughs> sorry, yeah, it's a matter of time. We, uh, we should have the mandatory segment where we just criticise the Flash in uh, podcast. Just mark mark the time in the clock so that everyone knows that was the moment. Uh, right, um, yeah, so so power creep and power levels. I, I kind of feel that, and this is a problem with Superman overall, it's power, a problem with Supergirl overall, it's a problem with Flash overall, is that you've got to have this ever-ongoing escalation of power levels between uh, villains and the heroes in order for the show to work. And I feel that Supergirl just struggles with that so much. Like, I've noticed that there's been a dialing back of use of, like, super speed, for example, on the show, to to the extent where I don't think Supergirl's really used it this season. However, we did see uh, Agent Liberty use it in the final episode to disarm, like, a room full of people with guns. So I was like... So my main thing is, it's like, they, they've not really found clever ways of doing it. It's always really, really clumsy. And I think it's kind of a problem because it means that you've got this ever-going escalation of powers and people having to have powers to then be a threat at all to Kara. At least they don't have her lose her powers every other episode. That's true. I mean, it's not like there's, there's there's the ongoing you know kryptonite distribution system where you know every room she wa- you know every room she walks into is laced with kryptonite. But she's kind of immune to that now a little bit. Yeah, that's Apparently true. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I kind of I, I agree. I think that's a problem in all these shows except Arrow because they don't have any powers. Uh, pretty much in Arrow. Uh, but yeah, the the Flash, which we've already kicked, yeah, it, he should be unstoppable by this point. Um, Supergirl, they've always had her powers kind of dial back. She has used speed a couple of times, although I don't think she's used it in fights. Uh, after she gets that bullet taken out of her by Jean, she runs off and speeds off there. Um, she did do some cape tricks with her jacket this this season, 
I thought they'd forgotten about Cape Tricks, so I was glad to see that <laughs> return. Uh, what else? Yeah, um, she uses heat vision a lot. She hits people a lot. She flies a lot. I think they probably want. They're probably more consistent with their powers in this show than they are in um, uh, in other shows. But yeah, giving everyone powers is kind of annoying. I mean, did we really need Jimmy to have powers? We knew it was going to happen. Oh, sorry, James. I call him James. Yeah, do we really need James to have powers? I mean, he's already like insanely like competent at everything he does. Apparently, so why do we need this? And and now he's like lining up to be a pirate captain. So it's yeah, God he's going to be the yeah or or Nick Fury cosplay. <laughs> but it's yeah, it just seemed to be like oh, we need to give the villains powers for an injection. Now uh, Jimmy's got powers, and we've got it's like okay, this is just getting a bit. A bit much. Lex having powers made almost no difference as well because he still put on his super suit. Yeah, that that part of the the plan just seemed a bit. For me, it was like he, he healed himself. The benefit was he had powers, but then he still did the suit and still wasn't one hundred percent a match. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to retread that ground. <laughs> there were parts, like I said, there were parts of the plan that didn't quite make as much sense. Uh, there was also a bit where I was like, well, if you've got enough of that serum, then distribute it around some of your friends and you're sorted, you know. But, okay. Yeah. Andrew, quick thoughts on powers and use of powers? It's a, it's a constant, on, on, ongoing issue with superhero shows. I think the issue is primarily that well, because, uh, because uh, ca- uh, characters can like, like maximum well, level of power isn't, isn't ever clearly established from the outset, then 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 so it, it, generally, it generally seems to be that that they they are, however, as as powerful as as the plot requires them to be at at any any particular given moment, or if they need 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 to need to be just not powerful enough at a moment for like for um for dramatic effect. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's 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 always going to be a problem, and I don't ever think it's something that's going that's going to go away. No, no, and like like I said, it's not just a Supergirl problem. It's just it's one of those things that when I was watching it, in particular the last few episodes with healing from the light stored in leaves, that, <laughs> that sort of made me think, do you know what? This is a bit of hand wavium that they've put in here that is going to come back to one of those, oh, and why didn't the leaves heal her this time in like a season's time <laughs> when we're sitting there and you know they're trying to come up with a solution to repower Kara. Um, you know, so... Yeah, 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 so be something like like it only works when she's near death. Yeah, only only works when she's near death, and it, it's things like you know uh, flash time and flash and all that sort of stuff. It's like, oh well, this would be convenient to use pretty much all the time. <laughs> I, I, you know, at least write in a reason why you can't. Yeah. Um, but if you just leave it blank and you just pull it out whenever you want, then it it, it reduces stakes and shows, and that's uh, something that I don't like. I like I like there to be credible stakes otherwise i don't really feel invested in it because you know you think well no one's at risk ever the title character of the show is you know plot protected wearing heavy heavy plot armor i do understand that but at the same time you still want them to feel like they're stakes how do you like your stake credible thanks uh andrew do you want to give us a kneel i do one of the things that i'm kneeling before uh, 
might seem a, a little hypocritical given given my early comments, um, but as I I, I I really liked the the reveal of Eve as as, as a villain because quite often in, in shows like this, if there was like I, I, a, a person or an object which is going to become integral to the development of a plot of the plot in some way, uh, then the introduction is um, is usually. Uh, around about 17 minutes prior to the big reveal <laughs> of, of the significance. Whereas Eve like, was introduced at the, at, the start, at the start of season two, and uh, she's been around around like for 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 all the time, just just like just like in it's just in in the back in the background of, of everything. So she's, she's, she's a character that like the, the other people are they're, they're aware of her, but they didn't didn't really really pay 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 much attention to her, and weren't, weren't concerned with with what she might be doing or or anybody she, she, might, she, might, she might be telling things to. Yeah, which, which as it turns out, was was a a glaring oversight. That kind of early introduction for for character who you have much bigger plans for down down the road um, is is like an, an absolute, absolutely superb way of doing it. It's also kind of interesting for me as well because at the moment um, I'm rewatching my, my my way through the entirety of Smallville and I'm to season eight, eight at the moment, which sees the introduction of Tess Mercer, who who's a character who's like half Eve Tess Macker and half and half Mercy Graves. And a bit of Lena. Spoilers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I already saw that on a thick Wikipedia or a cast list somewhere. <laughs> but yeah, what to say? Interesting. Like it seems like what's what's effectively two different versions of the same character. And also, incidentally, also having Sam Witwer there as well. Of course, as as Doomsday, as yeah, as part of the love story, which was just weird. <laughs> Sorry, I'm I'm getting off track. Um, <laughs> So you liked Eve as a villain, is, is what you're yeah, 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 yeah. I liked Eve as a villain, and yes, and I liked I liked the fact that she was introduced so far prior to the reveal of her as a villain. Yeah. Now, you said about they had big plans for her. I don't think they did. I think she was just introduced as a background recurring character, and then they decided, probably this season, that it would make sense for her to be working with Lex. I mean, it just so happens she has the name of one of his like hench people, so that works. Because uh, the genius thing didn't come until the end of last season. You know, the fact that she's really smart. So, and they kind of framed something around that where she, like, acts ditzy because she's very good looking. Uh, so she thinks that people will be threatened by her intelligence, so she pretends she doesn't have any. I quite like that. I mean, they didn't do too much with it. But yeah, having her as a villain, I think uh, the actor, whatever her name is, uh, did a really good job as well. Andrea something. Andrea Brooks, that's it. Yeah. She she did a really good job of like doing that flipping on a dime to, to being evil and, and then when she was playing the weird clone of herself where she was dumb again, that was um that was quite good. Yeah, it was it was a good reveal, it really worked. And it really hit Lena in the in the feels because that was a friend. You know, she doesn't have too many of them. And she allowed herself to trust this person and it blew up in her face. Yeah, I think that's what made the the reveal work really well. Actually, is it's like someone that she wouldn't expect, someone that she had been working really closely with, someone that she had probably shared plenty secrets and chat with, and then suddenly it turns out, oh no, 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 I was just working with you because that's what Lex told me to do. I've been planted for a long, long time as the most elongated sleeper agent ever. Yeah, um, you know, even even more than we thought <laughs> she was in the first place, but. Yeah, it was. I, I kind of liked that. I thought it was a good reveal. I, I kind of agree with you, Craig, that I don't think they had been planning this from way, way, way out. 
but I think when they did come to the decision, they've played it really, really well. Yeah, the fact that it fits is remarkable in itself. Mm. I suppose, I suppose it fits so well because you know so little about her anyway. Like it, it's not as if she was on Team Supergirl, one of their most trusted mm. DEO agents, and suddenly turning on them. She's just like, yeah, the background secretary, and then the background Lena's assistant. So it is easy to just manoeuvre her in different places. Yeah, but and it's one of those that she has been in enough that she's recognisable, and it's oh, not yeah, that they just they, yeah. they picked a random that appeared in a, an episode before, and then goes, oh, and by the way, Brian turns out to be a double agent. You go, who yeah. the hell was Brian? Oh yeah, he handed over some paper in the other episode. Yeah. Oh, you mean like those DEO agents that all knew Kara's identity and were massively at risk <laughs> and had to have their memories wiped? It's like, who are these people? <laughs> I've never seen like, them before. Why should we care? Yeah. Also, doesn't everybody in the DEO know who she is? Because she's in there in her civvies writing articles and stuff sometimes. She's always coming in, speaking to Alex and flying off. And I mean, I was under the impression that everybody knew. But never mind. Whatever. <laughs> not that I'm bitter about it or not. Strangely, that's not my rise against. <laughs> uh, I, that was a little stealth one that I just snuck in because uh, it fit. I'm actually just going to rise against journalism, <laughs> not, 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 not the concept. The concept as they depict it in the show. If you rise against journalism, it is going to take you down, Craig. <laughs> well, I mean, considering what I do is a form of journalism, so uh, yeah, I'm kind of rising against myself here. Which, yeah, screw me. What, what an idiot I am. Uh, no, the, the way they depict it in this show, specifically through Kara, because, well, it, it kind of sprung up on me in the last episode where she manages to cure racism with a well-written article that, by the way, pings onto everyone's phones, whether they want it or not. Uh, what about the people that ticked, do not show me notifications from Catco, <laughs> World Wide Media. Uh, that's, you know... Uh, so it sounds like Catco isn't GDPR compliant. Uh, let's not go there, please. Yeah, let's, let's really not go there. But, uh, yeah, what even is that? Uh, no, we all know what that is, and it's very important, and it safeguards our data and all that stuff. But anyway, so there was a few examples of journalism used very, very poorly throughout the show, uh, throughout the season. There was that, I think we talked about it in the mid-season one, the episode where she interviews some guy, some alien healer guy, um, and it turns out he's got a bit of a checkered past as in he has an illegitimate child and all this kind of stuff and like when she, when it comes to light that that's what happened she finds out a lot about it in like a 10 second google search I mean I've done enough interviews to know that if I'm interviewing someone I'm going to do that 10 second google search just to find out who they are what they're about what they've done what questions I might want to ask them the fact that she doesn't do that means that she's really crap at her job. Uh, later on in the season, you've got this whole thing about, and I actually kind of liked this. She was, you had that Lexi cellmate guy who wouldn't talk to Supergirl because he hates her. Fine, but we talked to Kara. But it's this. Oh my God, you're the Kara Danvers, that person that wrote that article we all liked. It's like, what evidence have we seen of her being any good at her job as a journalist? Yeah, and now we're like, like what evidence have we seen of her actually doing her job yeah. as a journalist? And it's like, she's famous? Like, prisoners know her by name because of what she's written? Like, what? <laughs> I mean, that's all I can say is, what? Where is this coming from? It's 
and it's the tendency of the show to be like, all right, this is important now. This is an element that's tied to this character. You just have to accept it because we're telling you. But say what you want about the new adventures of Superman. That was about Clark Kent as a journalist as much as it was Clark Kent as Superman. Mm-hmm. You know, every episode was about, we're chasing a story. It's going to be life-threatening. And I'm going to have to turn into Superman. And then Lois isn't really going to realise the truth. You know, that's your formula. But in this, it's like Catco comes and goes. Mostly goes because they have no idea what to do with it. I mean, they they boosted it a little bit because of Nia, and I thought she was going to shoulder all the um, the the journalism stuff until she had a superhero arc over like five minutes or so. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh yeah, I I've got these powers. Oh look, now I'm fully competent with these powers. So that was easy. That was quick. Um, <laughs> but the journalism just it's it's bad. Um, and that article that cures racism at the end it's like, okay, yeah, I can see that people might see the facts and see that Lex Luthor lied to them, that's fine but there's also going to be people that disagree with it there's also going to be people like, Cara Danvers not her again and and stuff, you know like it, one good story can change the world, That that's the kind of pie in the sky thinking they're going for but it's really bad because that's not how it works at all it seems like a bit of a cheat that the writers got to at the end and went, oh, we, we kind of need all this turmoil that we've created to be over by the next season because we're not wanting to write that this is still going on. Yeah, um, yeah. a quick article and then, uh, yeah, new, new president is going to put back in all the rights and responsibilities and everyone's going to be totally okay with it. There's going to be no ramifications whatsoever because everyone's read the article and agrees. Okay, the end. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we can, move on, we can move on next season with a clean slate. Uh, you know, we've tidied all this up. Did anyone else think that Cat Grant was going to turn out to be the president at the end of the season? I, I, I was, I was hoping, but I wasn't holding out for it though. Yeah, I, I didn't think she was going to turn up and be the president, but I thought because she was in a kind of advisory role, wasn't she? Or was it? She wasn't the press secretary, was she? I'm trying to remember what she was under oh, no, no, the previous. I, 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 think, I think that's what she was actually. Was she the press secretary? Yeah. Right. So she was the press secretary under the previous president, so she would have been replaced when they went out. So I don't know. She might crop up again. I think it's you know she's definitely going to crop up at some point in the next well, season. You would Mrs. Think. Harrison Ford doesn't have to show up unless Mrs. Harrison Ford wants to show up. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's pretty much the reason that you don't see her anymore. I imagine yeah. that is, I imagine so, but yeah, um, yeah I, th- I think Cat Grant's always a good character to drop in, and you know if they can negotiate it, then uh, it would be good. But yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I, they seem to do it with the journalism characters on these shows quite a lot. I, I don't know if there's someone in the writers' room of these programs that are particularly fans of oh, journalism will solve it all uh, story arcs. Because you see it in the Flash, you see it in this, you see it in others. Where like, you know, there'll be an article that'll be, oh well, now that everyone's read that, everyone's totally fine with it. I, I Take, I taking apart an entire season of hate speech that's been like passed <laughs> passed around, you know, is that one article? If that if article had, written, had come out weeks ago, yeah. a year ago, we'd be, we wouldn't be in this mess. I think there was the interesting twist where it was like, oh, I can't go out as Supergirl because everyone hates me, but I can still go out as Kara and I can still try and do what I can through my day job. And well, that worked well enough, yeah. Which which they did. They didn't 
really go for it fully because they didn't have enough time to, but yeah, they did try it at least. It was just another excuse for further hijinks involving Lena and Kara, like mm. cutting about, you know, where Kara was and was trying not to reveal her powers but also save their lives, which is, you know, fun in itself. And uh, Lena trying to pretend to be the con- or Lena is the confident one as Kara pretends to be terrified mm. and stuff. Um, that w- that was why they did that. That wasn't yeah. it wasn't to well, do with like this yeah. booster journalism side of things. While Kara must have missed those high-def cameras that were following or using tracking shots and <laughs> uh, all sorts, you know, because that, that won't know CCTV footage, you know, Lex had an entire crew in there. <laughs> I was wondering why that makeup artist was in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, so that's it. My rise against is journalism as depicted <laughs> in this show. Yeah. Um, Andrew, do you agree? Uh, do you- yeah, in, in, I was just going to mention, I, I think in, I, I think it, it might just be uh, partly a certain degree of wish fulfilment on, on part of the writers. Uh, just, just try to, like, to imagine a scenario in which writing can save the world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's like where in, in actuality nobody gives a crap about writers. Well, wow, that's a depressing thought. Really, the only time pay pays attention to who who the writer is if it's like I, I, if it's some uh, either Joss Whedon or Aaron Sorkin, and otherwise people otherwise they're not interested. Yeah, Supergirl exists in a world where people still buy magazines on mass, which you know alternate reality, I suppose. Uh, but they still have the internet, so I don't understand how that works. Yeah. <laughs> Again, oh. wish, wish fulfillment. Yes. Indeed. Okay. Uh, Chris, I want you to give us a... Uh, you've given us one of each, so... Let's do a kneel, because I rose against something. A kneel. Uh, I am going to kneel before an episode that I think I talked about in the mid-season. Uh, Man of Steel. The episode Man of Steel, which sort of goes through the origins of uh, Ben Lockwood. And uh, the reason that he comes to the opinion... That it has it turns out that he's been involved in too many superhero fights uh, over his time. Um, yeah, I, I really like the episode. is sort of an origins of a villain or a villainy character. It kind of makes you understand his point of view, or at least why he has come to the opinion that he has. Um, so yeah, I, I quite liked that episode. Um, it was like it took a break from the norm and and sort of showed us his side. It was a little bit abrupt, though, wasn't it? Yeah. In yeah, terms of um, like, I don't mind aliens. To hate aliens, you know, it was it was very quick. Uh, I think Ben Lockwood was a good character in general throughout the season, and I think towards the end when he just became more unhinged, made him a bit more unpredictable as well. But also, like, whenever he was involved in a debate with someone or whatever else, I mean, the stuff that he's saying is pretty horrible. But damn, is he good at it? You know, it's people listen. You can see why people listen to him. Uh, because he does have that charisma and his his arguments are well formed and well thought out so it's like that TV debate he engages in with Kara he demolishes her because she doesn't know what she's talking about she's just going by in a few empty sort of platitudes about everyone should love one another and everyone should be equal and she can't really qualify it in any way whereas he's like well here's examples of when that's not worked and whether you agree with him or not you have to point out that he 
makes his points quite well. Which is kind of disappointing when he just becomes a, you know, another strong villain by the end. Yeah, I think I think seeing him slowly breaking down, the situation getting worse, and that causing him to be unhinged. His son turning against him, and yeah, yeah, the the loss of his wife, the son turning against him, the fact that he suddenly realizes that his rise to power wasn't actually his rise to power. Yeah, as well, you know, like al- along the way, you can see him going, "Oh, I, I was in prison, and I've been taken out of prison, and now I'm on." Now I'm working for the government. I've been put in this position, and and uh, all these these fans, these followers that I got naturally because of me. And then it turns out, oh no, actually someone's been pulling strings behind to make sure that you got the audience that they wanted you to get. You know, they've they've put you where you are. You didn't earn it yourself. You know that kind of thing. I think would explains him being unhinged. I do think that towards the end of the season, he had kind of outlived his usefulness. Like, I don't really think there was much of a reason for him to turn up in the finale. It was like he could have been... He had been defeated by that point. At that point, he had been defeated. He could have just been arrested on the street somewhere. It did not need to, you know, have his medication run... You know, his super serum or whatever it was run out, and then he just gets caught by a policeman and arrested. You know, that it could have been as simple as that by the end. Well, it's funny, his hair falling out, yet none of his hair fell out. That's true. I was expecting him to be bald by the end of it, um, but it just seemed to like be a couple of tufts, and then it all grew back. I don't know. Yeah, having him share a scene with Lex might have been quite good, though. Yeah, that would have been something, but you don't really get that. There's only so much John Cryer to go around, I suppose. Uh, Lockwood was good. He was a, a decent character, and they certainly used him well for, like, for for the parts of of the show that. Like that they had a purpose for him, and the effort that, effort that they made to make you un- understand why he, why he believes the things that he does, how his alien hating views became more and more extreme o- over time, um, and more accepted, of course. Yes, I, I think with a character like that, and and the the purpose of him is is to provide a vocalization what you want a, a, a lot of the background people to to actually be be, be thinking, but you don't, but you don't have the the space to properly portray it. Yeah. Yeah. So with him espousing beliefs that that a lot of people agree with, uh, then that quite efficiently shows the kind of environment that's being created in the country. Yeah. I do. I do agree. Like he, he did seem a, a little bit redundant towards the end of the series, and when it became uh, more about what Lex's ultimate plan was. And I would like to like a, a bit more personal reflection on what is essentially his own complacent arrogance in, in, in his worth, not actually questioning his meteoric rise to power and influence yes, and, and believing it was all done on, a, on his own merits, presumably because he, ha- he has that much belief in himself. I would have liked to have, to have seen something that actually acknowledged that. Overall, he like, was a decent character and, and good for what he had a purpose, but I don't think we'll be seeing much more of him. No. Probably not. Which is a shame. I like Sam Whitworth, so... Yeah, but he's outlived it. So yeah. Okay, so Andrew, do you want to give us a rise? We're going to be uh, uh, rise against it. Just how lengthy and drawn out um, the this podcast is. <laughs> <laughs> the whole um, uh, yeah, aliens coming to Earth as a metaphor for racism thing was. It just went on and on 
add on. And, and I, I get that it is an important thing to address, but it never really developed very much. There's just the issue of like they're like there's a lot of, there's 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 lots of anti-alien sentiment in, in in the world. A lot of people are hostile towards aliens because they're aliens. And as well, it's supposed to be a plotline, that was pretty much all there was to it. And all that it was useful was was how it affected characters. Um, but, you know, but well, without there being much development of the, of the concept itself. Yeah, it did go on a bit. Uh, they did some good stuff in there, though. I mean, she got to fight a dragon. That was something fun. Uh, it wasn't a dragon, it was an alien that looks like a dragon. But, you know, it's a dragon. Still a dragon. It's a fire-breathing flying lizard. If it talks like a duck, looks like a duck, it's probably a duck. Uh, or a dragon. Or a dragon, yeah. It's a duck dragon, which is weird. Um, yeah, there was, I mean, there was some stuff. I think the looks so revealing that Nia was like second generation alien, so her mother was an alien, which makes her kind of part alien. That was a bit of a weird, out of left field of reveal. Um, that interview she did was really good, though. You know, where she was like, I'm a Gryffindor, in, or whatever house that she chose. I think it was Gryffindor, wasn't it? Does it matter? Sorry, Harry Potter fans, I've forgotten. But she she basically was like, yeah, look at me, I'm like human, a giant dork, and I kind of look like that girl that works here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, in fact, it, I'm accidentally wearing my staff ID badge. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's kind, but it's kind of what I got into before. It was the, you know, the racism was solved by the right article from Cara, so it didn't amount to anything. It was just a background thing. I mean, it was quite a good background thing, but it didn't amount to much in the end, did it? I've got nothing else to say on that, really. Yeah, it didn't. I, I see what they were trying to achieve and they were sort of tying it in with like the immigration debates that are going on and and all that sort of stuff. The problem is if you if you're going to try and tackle that and then you're wanting it to disappear by your next season, you've got to come up with a solution to racism or the immigration problem which if it was as easy as they write it, it would all be solved by now. Um you know, there's no like easy way they can do it because so all they end up writing in the script is and then everyone comes to an epiphany and it's solved and you kind of feel like uh, hang on no you've you've introduced this real world thing to make it feel more real you can't just now go oh actually we're going to take this out because it's going to be really really awkward if we have to continue with it yeah that's fair who knows what they'll do next season with it if anything what the problem will be then we shall see uh, moving swiftly on I'm going to kneel before Lena's ruthlessness I just think the way that they handled Lena this season was absolutely brilliant The probably the best they've done with her I mean having her up against her better in Lex was, was a great move for her so the, the way she was constantly trying to catch up to him trying to outwit him and I like that she was like I want Lex to know that I beat him she had to have that and it's like a failing on her part because that's like pride and vanity and so on. The way she handles her mother by like throwing that truth alien at her and then poisoning her tea as well <laughs> it was, was brilliant. Just the, um, you didn't really poison my tea, did you? It's like, I would drink that antidote. <laughs> really probably should drink that antidote within the next five or so minutes. Just in case. <laughs> it's like, uh, why don't you understand that I hate you? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I, th- I just thought she was really great throughout her views on like powering up humans 
while not being popular opinions among her friends, it makes sense as to why that is. Them getting rid of her relationship with James was a good move because it was boring, just like almost everything that James does. Yep. Yeah. Uh, she was great. And I loved her last scene with Lex where, where Lex was like, you won't kill me. And then she just shoots him twice without hesitation. It's like, yeah, that's it. That's the culmination of what we build up to here. And then Lex is like, oh, by the way, here's uh, all this uh, professional studio level footage of Kara being super <laughs> uh, that I took. Be- before before I drift into the night, please let me just hit this button for the yeah. auto-destruct so I take you with me. Yeah. Oh, no, no, hang on. I'm just going to let you see this video footage. Yeah. Yeah. And it was the... It's also the ambiguity of where she's going to go next as well. So she turns up whining crappy game night um, and she's like acting like normal but then she sort of slams the photograph of um, of her, Cara and Alex. Um, so it's I don't think she's going to turn into a villain but I think she's going to have some kind of issue with Cara because she had issues with Supergirl and, and I really liked it when Cara as Supergirl apologised to her for being wrong about certain things that was a really good scene um again it just strengthens lena and her the way she thinks and the way she operates i think she's she's probably the best character in the show let's be honest i, I really agree I, I really i really like her as a character and every time that she's on screen then yeah then you you know that it's that it's going to be something interesting yeah, we have, yeah. yeah whereas it's if it's something that she does something she's going to be doing or something she's going to be saying or or something she's figured out or some information she's uncovered she immediately makes it any moment more worth watching i hope that they're not going to turn her into a villain next season i don't um, think they will she's yeah, a good person partly because it'd be really boring and partly because her whole character arc like is is basically defined by her not being defined by her family yeah and i just like to to slide it in, in like into the same kind of arrogant dismissive behavior it, it would would just it just seem seem a waste yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've, I think they've done so much development with her that it would be a shame for them just to push her down the villain arc after all, because then it would just add fuel to the fire of people that have been going, "Ah, oh, this has been coming all the time. We always knew it was going to end up this way." I do kind of feel that I don't know if that trip to to play games at at John's was like her giving them the final chance to tell the truth at this point. It was it was like her going, right, if I go and if they tell me the truth now, after all we've been through over the last like week, two weeks, whatever it is in in sort of real time, if they tell me now, then you know, then I'm fine. If they don't then I'm peeved, you know, I'm even I more want, peeved than I was. I wonder before. if it was a litmus test of can I live this lie? Can I like Mm. be around these people knowing that every single one of them is lying to me in in some way or another you know i think that it could have that that could have been what she was trying to f- figure out and then you see kind of in that scene where she's she's back to basics she's on her own again you know she can't trust her friends that's two friends that have betrayed her in her in her eyes uh through eve and through cara so yeah what well, What's next for her? That's that's really fascinating, and I don't think it will be a villain. But like, not everybody has the good or evil. You know, she could be. I don't know. Like, what is Lena without Kara's as her moral compass? Effectively, you know, what is she without the support of the friends that she's made? 
I, I think she could be disruptive. I don't think she's going to be the main villain, though. Maybe not even that, though. I think maybe she'll just be distant rather than anything else. She could potentially like do a lot of damage to the team just simply by refusing to help them. Yeah. Yeah, and she could have little sly digs at Kara that hint that she knows that her identity without like actually coming out and saying it as well. I, I'm I'm pretty sure that now that Kara has explicitly stated that she that she's going to tell Lena, then you know what's going to happen is um, is that Lena will reveal that she knows that she knows Kara Supergirl right before she's about to, she actually tells her. Or you'll have an episode where Kara keeps going to Lena trying to tell her like, and then some disaster happens yeah, right yeah. at that moment. It's like you know, it's going to happen about three or four times. Like, Lena, I've got something to tell you. Boom! Oh no! Uh, I should go and write about this. <laughs> <laughs> you know all those lame excuses that she comes up with. Chris, give us a rise. Uh, Manchester Black was pants, and I think it would have been better off without him. There you go. That was quick. That was one. Well done. Mean. Absolutely. I. I do you know what I was kind of looking forward to being involved because a lot of you know people said oh he's a dark character and it'll be a different twist because everyone else is kind of bubbly and light and all go for it and he's going to be like evil and dark and in the end I was like ah no nah it it he just he didn't amount to anything by the end and I kind of feel there was a whole chunk of story that you could have just ripped out there and it wouldn't have made a blind bit of difference so it's because his motivation makes no sense though he's a pacifist. Mm. Then his girlfriend dies, and now he's not a pacifist anymore. Now he's the, yeah. Now he's now he's very much on a murder spree, and yeah, and even then it's like all the stuff with you know John trying to talk him down and sort him out and lead him on the path, and it was just like oh this is just going on. It's like how many chances does this man need? Look, he's dug up your father's grave. <laughs> You're not getting through it. Um, I mean, why are we wasting our time here? And then he gets killed so anticlimactically as well. Yeah, it's just it was just bad. He was really good in his first episode, though. I really liked the, the fight scene that he did where he just didn't touch them. You know, where he just like, dodged out of the way and stuff. That was really cool. And then he was flying around wearing a Legion ring, firing guns at people uh, later on in the season. It's like, what? <laughs> it's, a, it's another, what is going on here? It reeked to me of, oh, we need something that'll look kind of cool in trailers and stuff, and folk will get excited about the introduction of this character, and then they didn't really do anything great. He really needs them. to wash his t-shirt. <laughs> uh, and then when they introduced the Elite, so you had uh, Menagerie and the Hat, or Hats, or whatever his name was. Just Hat, I think. Yeah, uh, that was crap as well. Yeah, 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 and also like the the invisible alien, the the the, the kept on forgetting was there. Yeah, because it was oh, invisible. Yeah. Oh yeah, attack of the invisible aliens. It's over yeah. there. Uh, but budget cut the alien. Yeah. That, that was that was his actual name. Was budget yeah. cut the alien? <laughs> yeah. um, if you haven't already, you should watch the animated film Superman versus the Elite. Yeah, I was just I was just, I was just about to mention that actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's really really good and a yeah. much more interesting version of the character. Yeah, and Manchester Black is white in that one, but in this one, there's that uncomfortable question around why do you call yourself Manchester Black? It's because you know I'm black and I'm from Manchester. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah, that's that's fine. Uh, yeah, he was crap. I completely agree. Uh, that was that was a good one. Uh, that saves me one. So, um, Andrew, you get to be positive. 
I will be kneeling before Nia. I really, I really like her. I think, I think the, 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 the character has a great deal of, of um, potential for future growth and, and development. And uh, I, I, I like how like, the, the show acknowledges the fact that, 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 she's, that she's transgender, but it, it, it doesn't constantly make a big thing about it. It's not shied away from, but it, it, just, it just comes up as and when it's, as and when it's relevant. Yeah, and it's like only women in her family can have the powers, but she is a woman. Yeah, set, like she feels like one. Yeah, like like, yeah. like, like, like she is a woman. She was just, she was just born male. Yeah, or, or like assigned male. I think is way to say it. And and since all, all the cackle stuff is being scaled back, I I, I really like that they that they've now given 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 her powers. Um, that, that have become integrated into the super team operation. I mean, that she'll, ha- she'll have a, a, a lot of use and purpose going forwards, and we'll see a lot more of her. Rubbish costume, though. I quite like that, actually. Uh, it's one of those... Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It looks a bit store-bought, and I think that uh, needs some work. Uh, yeah, I liked Nia as well. Uh, particularly the episode where her mum dies and, and her family find out that she's like the dreamer in the family because it's a once in a generation sort of thing uh, it's the bit where her sister says you're not even a real woman um, and that yeah. kind of that says so much about like intolerance um, or like casual intolerance it's like it's easy to be tolerant when it doesn't really affect you you know because she'd already assumed that oh well I'm the woman in the family so therefore I will have these powers I'm the one that's trained for them and it's just it's just that unguarded moment and you know how many friendships or family connections have been destroyed because of that one unguarded moment where people say something that they don't really mean in the heat of the moment and it's you know these shows are often criticized for being very forced in the way they deliver plot not so in this case um that felt very natural you know you've seen that happen maybe not in that exact scenario but you've seen that happen you know where where people just outbursts uh, like that, so yeah, she's great, and she had a great energy. I liked it when it was when she was introduced, and Kara was like, "Oh my god, that's me!" Like four years ago. Yeah, because yeah, like, just just like, like the really, just like the opening moments, like 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 when you see her, you just you, you, like how she tells, like yeah, that, that that's like original Kara. Yeah, her dropping empty coffee cups that are apparently full. <laughs> that happened in one <laughs> scene. It just you know, there's nothing in them. Yeah. Peter's saying, yeah, yeah, we can't be able to clean, clean it up afterwards. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, the, the guy with the mop, he's not around at the moment. He's on his lunch. We'll, we'll just have an empty cup. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of liked the fact that she was an apprentice on both sides of Kara's life. You know, she was, like, training to be a, a journalist. She was training to be a superhero. And I think she integrates well to the with the rest of the cast. It's an interesting character. Um, yeah, I... Yeah, I didn't have any any problems with her. Her back and I, forth with Brainy is really good. Yeah, the relationship with Brainy, that slow build. I think I said it in the the mid season one as well. Like that, that's been so much fun to watch. It's another one where they've not really rushed at it too much. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they carry that on and they stay stable with it and they don't mess about with it too much. Um, but yeah, it will be interesting to see where well, it goes. There's, th- there's that thing where Brainy knows about her children, so he doesn't want to interfere with that. Mm. Yeah, um, we'll see how that goes. I mean, he has no idea how the future is going to play out now, anyway, because you know he's involved. Uh, time travel in this show too. Come on. <laughs> uh, so I'm finishing on a rise against. Finishing on a negative. Uh, I'm going to finish on this. 
uh, Alex's mind wipe. Uh, mm. Not because it was a bad idea. I think it was actually a very good idea because I think that, uh, her, well, the, the fact is it wasn't forced on her. She made that choice herself. So it wasn't going to, you know, we didn't have to put up with the tedious. She's got her memory back and she's upset with Cara for making that choice for her. It's like, no, no, it was her choice. She saw it as a necessity. Um, and it ties into that kind of, that back and forth she has with that Colonel Haley, which I thought was really good as well. I think that you would always expect Colonel Haley to be the antagonist, but she was quite reasonable some of the times. It's just a lot of the time, actually. But there was there was just certain boundaries that she wouldn't cross. And there were certain points where Alex would push her too far and it would cause problems that way. That was really good. But, yeah, the fact that her remembering who Supergirl really is is dangerous for, for everyone concerned because they're instead of random drug tests they're doing random memory tests and the <laughs> DEO you know it's uh, whatever it's a fantasy superhero world we can live with that uh, but yeah the the mind wipe I thought, don't think they did enough with it you had a couple of bits where she felt out of sorts and it sort of tied into her adoption story which kind of went nowhere I mean a separate rise against would be Jimmy's sister because she sucks I had her on my list. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, why? Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. I'm just going to badger you into going to therapy. Like, All right, <laughs> leave me alone. It's like I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm going to trigger an episode by t- warning you about triggering an episode. Um, but anyway, the mind wipe didn't really go anywhere, and then it just gets resolved very quickly in the same episode that Jean's like, nope, can't be undone. Sorry, I did a real <laughs> number on her mind. Oh look, all it takes is. Remembering clapping for some reason, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I wasn't sure what they were going to do with that, and and they didn't really do anything with it. But I liked, I quite liked the idea. They had little bits and pieces here that that could have turned into something, such as since she knows that doesn't know that Kara is Supergirl, she sees Supergirl as a nuisance because it's no longer through the lens of that's my sister. It's through the lens of my God, I wish she would think. Of, I wish she would think before she flies in and does something. And you had a little bit of that, but not too much of it, which is a shame. It, they played about a little bit with like our, our tolerancy towards aliens was different for a point, and I think she it still lasted. Friends with Jean, so like, well, that, that's the thing. It lasted like about an episode or so, where it was like, oh, she was being a bit tougher, and then that they just seemed to go, oh right, yeah, we're not going to commit to that because it's going to make the character, you know, we're going to push we're going to push our character down to like a more villainy arc where she's like, I can understand where these guys are coming from, um, you know. So I was like, okay, that's, like maybe that's why they've not done it. But then I almost thought, well, after a point, they could tell her. Yeah. Like, is it okay, our memories are raised, but they can tell her. And then it might have like jogged her memory back into place or something. Or she could figure it out. Or yeah, or she could figure it out. But I have the feeling that if it was the figuring out rather than this like coming to a realization and the memories like flooding back, if she had figured it out herself, she wouldn't maybe have remembered the fact that it was her that opted for it in the first place and wouldn't believe it. Yeah. So then you would have the betrayal storyline. The the you know, and I think I can't remember had this happened by the mid season or not. I remember having a discussion with you about this. I was like, oh, I really don't want to sit through the five episodes where she can't get over the fact that she had her mind erased. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, oh, you've played about with my entire memories and now everything's all a mess. And that, you know, I was like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to watch all that because I can predict exactly where it's going to go. I'm glad they didn't do that. But yeah, overall, it kind of seemed a bit. 
and then add to that the fact of all the random people at the DEO that somehow knew um, yeah. as well. I mean, it changes up the dynamic a little bit because now she has a dynamic with Kara, her sister, and with Supergirl, the superhero, mm. um, which is two separate relationships for a little while. And that was quite good. And I liked how overprotective she was of Kara as well. Mm. Just like, oh, I want you out of danger. I don't want you anywhere near this. She's like, I'll be fine. And, like, well, she doesn't know that. Um, and there's certain childhood memories she doesn't have anymore because um, because they're gone. The, you know, these formative memories have been erased and all that kind of stuff. So it's really good um, in that sense. But, yeah, it was just a background detail that I kind of forgot about at one point um, because they'd done so little with it. And then you got to this point where it was like, Oh yeah, she doesn't know who Kara really is. Oh yeah. It felt to me that it was a, a subplot that they intended to do more with. Um, but after they introduced it, then they realised that it was going to make things too complicated. So so they, they just abandoned the, like, the, the ideas that they had and just, I just decided to undo it to restore yeah. things to the status quo so they could carry on and carry on as normal. Yeah, pretty much. So that was my final rise against. That's the final rise against as well. So we'll kind of briefly talk a bit about what we think is going to happen next season. Uh, we get a bit of crisis set up where that pesky monitor's cutting about doing mm-hmm. stuff. Just so he's, kind of there. Yeah, he's brought Jean's evil twin um, from Mars, whoever that guy is. I'm guessing, I'm guessing that's going to tie into the, the comment comments that Jean made earlier in the episode about running away from a battle. Yeah. Uh, so you've got that, and he it looks like he's bringing Lex Luthor back in some form. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's mainly the setup for next season that we've got, apart from the Lena stuff that we've already talked about. But um, I really like, now that we've talked about all the shows uh, collectively, uh, I really like that we've got a tease for Crisis in every single one of the shows in some way. I mean, the Legend one was stupid, uh, of course. <laughs> The monitor sitting, standing eating popcorn instead of actually doing something. But um, so you've got so in the flash, he's not there. They just rewind the the date. Uh, Arrow, he takes Oliver, and then in the future takes Felicity for reasons unknown. In Legends, as we mentioned, he's eating popcorn because everyone enjoys a either sweet or salty snack depending on the uh, your preference. It can be sweet and salty. You think he's a sweet and salty sort of guy? I yeah, know. I think he, I think he mixes it up a bit. I, th- I think he maybe even pours M and M's in there and sort of mixes it about a bit. Well, that sounds good, right? Yeah, um, and in this, he's he's bringing Jean's evil twin and bringing back Lex Luthor for some reason. So we don't know how all these jigsaw pieces connect up for Crisis. But I've got to say, my expectations for Crisis are pretty damn high. Just for like the very fact that they're actually calling it Crisis on Infinite Earths, then it has to be something spectacular and fundamentally world-altering. Otherwise, there, there's no point of doing a variation on that arc. Because it was just so it's like seminal and seismic for the entire universe. Yeah, and Chris and I discussed this in one or both of the previous... Uh, mm. podcast that you weren't on Andrew it was the idea that potentially next season the first half of next season is all going to be building towards crisis in some way so every show will have its individual story um, you know that's going on but every 
at least every couple of episodes they'll sort of do something that ties into the crisis story or something will be happening in the background that's ticking along towards that. Um, I think you're going to, I mean, as much as I hate this phrase in television because it shows up all the time, you know, where a character turns dramatically to the camera and says, a storm is coming. <laughs> I feel like everyone's going to be saying that next season. And maybe it's like, maybe it's Barry, you know, because maybe he sees the newspaper article, the date has changed. And he's like, right, guys, this is happening this year. We need to prepare for whatever the hell this is. Uh, so maybe, I don't know, maybe The Flash turns up in the first episode of each of the shows and, and warns everyone. Uh, and then they build up to it in some way. I, f- I think it would be good if there was some sort of warning that they're given. I don't know how how well that will work in or not. I, my expectations are so ridiculously high for this, and I'm just hoping, and I've said this on the other podcasts as well, that they have planned this out and they know what they're doing, that the writers of all the individual shows are fully invested in it, that it's not something that's just been flung on them at the last minute or like as a surprise. They've been teasing elements of this for so long. So you've got to hope that they've sat there, got them all round the table as much as possible and went, right, here's the plan. Here's what's happening on this show, this show, this show, and this show, and here's the here's the big bit where it all comes together in the end. You know, and they've got someone watching it overall. Um, because otherwise it is going to be an absolute mess and I don't think they would recover from the disappointment if they do this badly it's almost like end game levels of expectation mm. like yeah. on television I mean who would have thought we'd have these two large events in one year I, I do like that the monitor sort of turned up in Legends and ate popcorn went to Arrow <laughs> and just picked up uh, you know picked picked up the lead meanwhile in Supergirl he's like do you know what I'm going to uh, revive a villain and bring you a new villain you're welcome bye that must <laughs> and then like, popped off you know I mean uh, well Elseworlds was a glorified trailer for um, for Crisis as it turns out um, but it seems like the monitor has plans and you know his motivations are very shaky so they're going to spend some time on what he is and what he does and what his role in all this is and, and also I acknowledge later whether or not they're going to bring in the anti-monitor as well well, I think that will happen, yeah. Um, the anti-monitor is far too complicated to explain on this <laughs> podcast, but uh, I'll put it in the show notes, read about it. It's you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure the Wikipedia article won't do him justice either. But it's, I get the impression the monitor isn't like a villain, he's kind of a, you know, one of these cosmic scale sort of guys. He does whatever bits and pieces he needs to do in order to get things in motion and plays his part. So if that means bringing Jean's evil twin, that means bringing Jean's evil twin. Uh, Lex must be useful for Crisis in some way. It seems to be like, like his purpose is, is to maintain this cosmic balance. If in the process uh, that, uh, that that requires the 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 sacrifice of 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 a, of a few of a few lives or even a few hundred lives, yeah, then. In the grand scheme of things, as the way he perceives them, then that's just something something necessary. Yeah. Or a few Earths. Indeed, yeah. yeah well, he yeah, accepts yeah, we, Oliver Queen's deal because you can't you can't not agree with Oliver Queen, apparently. Yeah, yeah and and I also think think that that we're we're also uh, going to be going to be seeing some events on other Earths as well. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, like purely purely like by the date by the nature of the story, like it involves all all the Earths. 
So yeah, yeah. So I think to preclude them in the build-up to it would be a massive oversight. Well, that's what we think is happening with Arrow next season, don't we? Speaking for Chris here. Speaking uh, for me. Yeah. Um, as in, it's, it's possible that Oliver's story for at least a few episodes is going to different Earths and maybe seeing different versions of himself or different versions of his friends and doing stuff. Yeah, sounds, sounds about right. Yeah. We'll see. Can't wait to podcast about that in December. It's playing in two parts, though. It's like the first half of yeah. it before Christmas and then after Christmas we'll get... So there's two podcasts about Crisis. Jesus. Two. Wow. Uh, which means that the Arrow episode will be its last one. Probably. Mm. Mm. Worrisome. Big, big deal. Big deal. Are we ready for the emotional fallout of Endgame and this in one year? <laughs> just about. Maybe just if, we, if we steal ourselves. Can just about cope. Like Nate. Ah, <laughs> uh, Nate. Nate, Nate, Nate. Yeah, brought to life by Kumbaya song, Sing Song. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's not go back there. Yeah, let's not. Okay, so that was a, a comprehensive discussion. The Supergirl one was always going to be bigger than, than the Legends one because Legends is like, ha it's funny. And then, I mean, it's deeper than that, but you know. So, uh, Andrew, thank you for representing the pro-alien debate. Yes, yes well, I, I, should, I should leave it with, with, my, with my head held high, confident in the knowledge that I retain the moral high ground. And Chris, did that article you read change your mind? Upon review, it appears that I have been wrong in my views this entire time. I am now going to live a better life and be the best version of myself. And did you notice the spelling mistake in the second paragraph? No, I I don't know how to spell. It tears apart the entire article. (laughs) You're the perfect (laughs) audience for that sort of journalism. (laughs) I don't know how to spell. I can barely read. (laughs) And I'm going to uh, revive my evil twin and bring him to Earth because... Something to do, isn't it? So, that was our discussion on Supergirl Season 4. Special thanks to YouTubers Dagma and Neil Stenson for the supplied music. If you enjoyed what you heard, then don't forget to hit that subscribe button on iTunes, YouTube, Spotify, or any major podcasting app. iTunes users, please do leave us a star rating and a comment. If you want to talk to us about Supergirl, the Arrowverse, or anything else, then hit us up on Facebook or Twitter under Neil Before Blog, or leave a comment on neilbeforeblog.co.uk. As always, we hope you'll join us on the next Neil Before Pod. Yeah.